Anthony. Yes. You are wearing green, my man. I am. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's these crazy holidays come out. You know, certain it. ethnicities get to celebrate their ethnicity. <laughs> others don't. You know, I mean, why are they Irish? You know, well, I, I love St. Patrick's Day because like it's the only day in which everybody gets to be Irish, no matter what you are. So <laughs> that's funny. I, I announced at our last office meeting that we're going to do something today for St. Patrick's Day. And there's so many people walking around with green. And I'm yep. really, I think it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. Even you've got your green on. I do. But you know what? I'm going to say this. Okay. <laughs> I didn't grow up as an Irish guy. Okay. okay? Uh, I've come from the, the big city of Chicago where they uh, dyed the river green. If you've mm-hmm. ever seen photographs of that, it's awesome. But I didn't have that Irish pride until I took Ancestry.com. There you go. And I do know now that I've got a significant percentage of my blood that's uh, Scotch-Irish. And so now I feel a little more justified. But you know what? I think that that's wrong to uh, feel that you have to be Irish to wear green, right? Cause no, it's, absolutely it's a, it's not. Because it's a fun fun day. I, I actually have a fun story about Ireland. I actually got to visit the uh, Supreme Court of Ireland completely on a whim. Uh, I was traveling in Dublin with my sister. We were sitting in a pub, um, just kind of having a beer, unwinding at the end of the day. And I was talking to her, and we met a guy over there. And it turns out he's a barrister. Um, and he was not only that, he was a barrister for the Irish Supreme Court. And he said, why don't you guys come on over tomorrow? I'm going to walk you around the Supreme Court, show you the chambers and everything like that. And I was like, wow, that was really cool. What a chance meeting. But the thing that I gathered from my trip in Dublin was just Irish people are just incredibly friendly. Um, they treat you as if you're absolute family. Um, and especially if you're sitting across from them in a bar, uh, they're some of the friendliest people that you'll ever meet. And it was a great experience. God, that was cool going into the courthouse. Like yeah. <laughs> I love doing that. I, I think that even when you go into courthouses in other states, mm-hmm. every, everyone's a little different, you know, and I could, I, did you ask a lot of questions when you were there? Oh yeah. I was like, oh, how many judges are in there? Like, what do you guys wear? What kind of robes do they wear? How is it different? Everything like that. It was great. Um, I was a law school student at the time, so like I was still kind of learning about, you know, our judicial system, you know, and it was just being able to compare it to in other countries and seeing all the traditions that came down from from England and that got passed on to our our uh, our legal practices today is just really really cool. You know, uh, civilized societies have to have a forum to resolve disputes, and we mm-hmm. may not agree with the politics of other countries. Uh, their systems of justice might not be the same as ours, but they still have to get to the root cause of problems and yep. try to deal with them. Recently, you know, we talked about a, a case that where there was a child custody dispute involving uh, a lady who was living in China with her daughter, and the father was in America, mm-hmm. and it, the case wound up in a Chinese court. You, mm-hmm. you know which one I'm talking yes, about. And it was interesting to me that that judge, although didn't follow the American uh, suggestion, issued an order that sounded a lot like it does over here. Dad's going to get alternate weekends. And uh, and then there was an appellate process. Right. And I thought, you know, that's cool. And, I, and I've seen, like, documentaries, like, in countries in the Middle East where, you know, you don't know if their judicial system is the same or India. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, you still got the same people complaining about, you know, not sharing custody and things like that. And there's a judicial that's right. officer that's got to resolve it. Right. And really. part, of the, part of what's really cool about our office is that we get cases – um, from clients that are completely around the world, you name it, um, you know, China, Lebanon, um, you know, England, Russia. I've got one uh, in Belarus. Belarus. Exactly. I, was just on the, I was just zooming with them. And, and 
part of the dynamic of family law is trying to figure out how do U.S. courts fit into the separation process or the custody process. Like you said, a custody order coming down from China that was written basically the same way that we would write our custody orders here. Just really cool to see the dynamics between the two countries and how cultural uh, aspects play into the way that they um, spit up uh, child time. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. In this Belarusian case that I have, the divorce is actually over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do things just a little bit different. They do their bifurcated, they, do, they bifurcate the marital status first mm -hmm. before they resolve anything. And then they get into the division of property and that could go on. There's an appellate process and all of that. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I, I would just love to go over there and listen to their standards and, and all that stuff. But yeah. that's, I guess that's why we're attorneys, because we like this stuff, right? We're, we're nerds for that. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, Dodger season is finally on us. Yes, it is. Okay. Now, you are one of the hot, really the biggest fans in the office. I mean, there's a couple of other people <laughs> that might rival you, but I know that you're a wonky guy and you know what's going Are you been Have you been following? Like I, I enjoy the um, the statistics and the wheeling and dealing behind everything. Okay, that's why I wanted to bring it up for you. Yeah. So what, is the, what does the team look like coming into the, this year so it's, far? It's really exciting. Well, we lose Scherzer as, you know, our, our big arm. Um, I think bullpen probably still needs a little bit of work. Um, but we have some big sluggers coming in. So yesterday we signed Freddie Freeman on a six-year contract from the Braves. Huge news, made waves um, all across the MLB. Um, big slugger, uh, big hitter. Um, you might replace Seager maybe? Maybe Seager I think uh, is going to go. Um, and then we re-signed uh, a couple other of the, uh, the guys back. Um, we're going to be keeping some of them. There was some talk about Jock Pedersen coming back down, but he ended up going to the no, Giants. No, don't bring him back. <laughs> I know that a lot of people liked him, but I was I liked him. <laughs> he, he was he was really good in this in the series. Like yes. he was a clutch guy. Yeah. But during the regular season, man, he was right. a wiffle guy. Man. Right. Okay. Right. So he'd have his hot and cold streaks, and unfortunately, he was getting hot right around the time he was playing us. Playing us, yeah, right? Exactly. So. Yeah. They did they go all the way to the World Series? Did they win the championship last year? They did, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. That guy, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right? He goes straight from one championship team to to the other, and then, and then he goes straight to our rival. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. So. All right. So. We, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is, is mm -hmm. that some really fun things happened with you yes. professionally. Yes. First of all, you got your certificate. Actually, you passed the certification. Passed the certification. Exam. Yep. You're not certified yet. Nope. <laughs> but you've you've done everything you need to do. You're just waiting for the paperwork and all of that. That's right. So it's uh, probably I would say a year long process between studying for the exam, doing the paperwork, filling out the application, listing out all the cases that you've ever worked on. Um, but I got the results uh, last Friday that um, I had passed the exam, which is arguably probably the most difficult part. Um, so I was really happy about that. We went out and we celebrated. I saw uh, that on Facebook. Champagne. <laughs> we did some champagne. We did some Disneyland. Um, it was it was a really great weekend. Yeah. I was uh, surprised that it came back as quickly. It seemed like it came back quickly, but it didn't because you took the exam in November, I think. October. Right? October. Yeah. Okay. And that's about the timing, right? I mm -hmm. mean, but but it does seem like it was just yesterday you took the exam. I, um, I, it just seems like the other people that have gotten certifi certified had to wait longer, but I know that they didn't. <laughs> so I'm just getting old, I guess. But boom, you, you got it like that. Yeah. And I was actually kind of like dreading the day that it came. Actually, when the test results came out, um, I didn't check it. I, I had to work up probably maybe 10 hours of nerve. And I ended up checking it at around 1 a.m. on Saturday. How do you check it? Um, you do it online. So, okay. yeah, they give you your login, and you go in, and it says either pass or fail. 
Um, and I saw a pass, and I was like, that's, that's not right. That must have made some sort of error. And then I looked at the letter that com comes attached with it. Congratulations, you were successful on your certification exam. Um, I walked out of that test feeling, okay. So this was a weird administration because everybody had to do it remotely. There was no in-person um, examination. So we were all doing it either from home or from different offices and stuff. Where'd um, you do it? I did it in my living room. Um, yeah, I did it in my living room. I set up a Honey, a could you turn there. on the TV? Yeah. Um, and then when, when, you know, when it was lunchtime, I went to my kitchen and I microwaved a burrito. <laughs> so. You could have you had some alcohol in there. Yeah. Right? Make, um, make your writing a little bit more flavorful. Maybe. maybe. Um, but I, I felt good after the test. I was like, oh, you know, I think I did okay. But the more it's this kind of idea where you, the more you think about it, and it's like, ah, oh, I could have written this more about this question. I missed that subject or I missed this topic. And then you kind of train yourself into thinking, oh, there's no way I passed. Um, so by the time the results came out, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, rip off the bandaid and and accept my, you know, my defeat and you know try to do better next time. And I opened up the the examination page and I was like, wow, I can't believe I passed. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I I think that. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes of taking the test at home. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, when I took the test, uh, we would have to go to a hotel in, that was right next to the airport. I forget which one it was. But, you know, I, and I, I think I might have spent the night there. I'm not sure. Right. You know, and then you go into a room with a bunch of your peers. And these aren't like young, you know, people trying to pass the bar exam. These are like licensed professionals. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there. And that same feeling that you take the bar, it's there, man. It's like, God, I hate this. I said I would never do this again, and here I am. And you just, you know, you know, just in your brain, you are like cursing the experience, <laughs> you know. And then it hits, boom, and you're, blah, 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 you know, and you're doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And it was on a, a typewriter, or not a typewriter, a computer. I remember mm -hmm. at the time. I'm wondering how in the world can they keep it honest when you're doing it in your living room like that? So they actually use your webcam to keep an eye on you. And they actually track your eyes to see whether you're looking at oh. your screen or oh. looking off. And if you're looking off or you're doing some weird stuff, you'll get a flag, um, and uh, they'll <laughs> review they'll review your foot uh, your video to see like, oh, did you suddenly change your answer after that, or did you look off the screen for a long period of time, or was there a you know sound of a cell phone in the background or something like that? Oh my god! So they'll actually go through and they'll review your exam. I don't know if this is the way they're going to start doing the bar exam in the future. They better not. I don't think Cause, so because I think I, it could be cheated. I, I think that opens up a lot of problems, right? Um, it's just there's too many variables to control when everybody's at home. But. Well, look, look at it this way. Okay, here's the camera looking at me, yep. right? And I'm typing, and uh, David's standing back there with cue cards, right? Yep. And I'm, so. <laughs> Honey, next card. <laughs> you know, and every time, every time I need him to turn a page, I just kind of go. <laughs> uh, but this time around, so the, the benefit of this time around was that the, um, the examination fee, normally they charge a laptop fee. Well, everybody's got to do it on laptop this time around. So it ended up being only 100 bucks uh, to take the exam. So I thought, well, if anything, it would just, it'll just be a pretty cheap uh, practice exam. <laughs> well, that's true. I, I, I think that, when, again, putting myself in your position, mm -hmm. taking the test at home, that anxiety that I would feel afterwards would be like, uh, Honey, let's go out and get something to eat. Let's get out of here. Look, I gotta go to the gym. I mean, I would just be like pent up with anxiety yeah. because you're at home. You know, right, normally exactly. if you're if you're at the test center, you could come home for that. Mm -hmm. You know, but you're there and stuff. So, what did yeah. you do that night after you? That night, uh, let's see. I had a uh, glass of wine and um, I went to bed. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I was just I was exhausted. I remember by the end of it, it's it's a six hour exam. I think it's like ten uh, essay questions. 
Um, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Holy cow. Essay questions, um, short form ans- answers. And I was just kind of like completely drained. I, I don't think I've ever been that drained even like after a full day of court. Um, just the mental energy and having to be like at attention like for that long of a period of time. It's just it just sucks. Were, everything were there multiple you. choice questions? No multiple choice on the um, the certification exam. I think there was for mine. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. And, and then and then lots of essays. If I recall. actually, you know what? Yes, there was. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. There actually was a multiple choice. <laughs> you know what? You just flunked, dude. Hey, hey, Proctor's man. He doesn't even remember this, man. I, I put it out of my head. Yeah, it was right. Like, almost like PTSD. It was your brother, your twin brother, man. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, how many years later you still remember what's what the test format was? Here's I, you a know, I just te- I remember that, that there was multiple choice on it. I don't remember right. like what the breakdown was. But right. I used it ten essays. Man, that's a lot. I think there might have been three or four for me. I think the the most I learned, and, and we took the prep course, right? We took the AFCFLS um, uh, Advanced Family Law course, which goes through all the topics that's on the exam. But I'll tell you, even just by just doing my regular work, you know, working on my cases, I was more prepared for that exam um, rather than listening that's to right. hours and hours of that's lecture. That's right. You're right? right about that. I draw upon my personal experiences yeah. in court yeah. and writing memorandums and points of authorities to know what the answer is, not trying to remember what, you know, Thomas Trent Lewis said at hour three of that lecture. So, yeah, this year I, I, I was ghosting you. I, was, I, took the, <laughs> I took the course as well, and I've only gone through a, a few of them because they give you so much, and there's no way in the world that you could sit and listen no to the, all those and then absorb them and go, okay, this is the formula for success. I really do think that you're right, is that you need to have some real practical experience to do that. Because they could, they could tell, I think, in your writing, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. You 56 know. hours of lectures that program has. <laughs> you know, if you want to sit down and try to sit all, to go through all of it, it'd probably take you about a month. That's right. Um, That's like, right. straight. And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we used to go over to the center, mm-hmm. and you'd spend a week and you would listen to it, you know, and, and I think that there might have been, there, there weren't any recordings when I did it, but when I saw that packet that they gave you, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to sit here for eight hours. <laughs> you know, I might do it at an hour at a time. Sure. But even taking the exam, I don't think that you have that time if you're a practicing attorney to, right. to do that. So that's interesting. You kind of pick and choose maybe a little bit. Is that what you did? Is, is you, the topics you needed some work I, on? I picked on the ones that I wasn't as familiar with, like, you know, evaluation of business property and stuff. Like some of the more technical nuance ones. Yeah. I don't think we even got a question on any of those, you know, more. It, it was very kind of by the book, straightforward custody, visitation, you know, the, the fundamental stuff that you need to know as a family law attorney yeah. that got tested pretty heavily rather than, you know, um, tax tax effects of, you know, division of corporate assets, okay. or share, stock, yeah. stocks, or things you like know what, that. You know why? Because the examiner doesn't know that stuff. Because <laughs> I, mean. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the evaluators, or the people that actually examine, uh, review the examinations, are all volunteers, mm-hmm. so they're they're either certified family law specialists or judges that are. How much time do they have? Probably not a lot, right? Right. So if it sounds like you know what you're talking about, my guess is that you could probably do it um, just by writing in a family law attorney's you know handwriting or in their way that they would normally write something. So. Yeah. Do you, Do you know of anybody that didn't pass? I don't. I know two other people. Uh, that did pass. Shout out to Jack and Tim. Congratulations, both of you guys. Um, they both passed, and um, uh, we were all I mean, we were trying to find a time for all of us to go out and celebrate, I think. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I could tell you that when you, um, you know, start putting that in your name, and it does feel good. I mean, it, it feels like you've, like, 
it feels like what you deserve, and that is you put in the extra time right. to become, you know, the very best at, at the in the profession, and it really does help too. I mean, right. I I thought that I started thinking differently about the cases and being able to communicate to clients differently based upon the course. So yeah, that's absolutely. good. It's funny because the application when you fill it out, um, you only need to practice at least twenty five percent of the time in family law, and I'm like. That's really all you need. I mean, like, I, I feel like in order to be a certified specialist in this area, should be full time. You should be doing it full time. Yeah. yeah, you should be doing it full time. Well, people underestimate the complexity of family law. You know, yes. I, I tell the story that I was sitting in between two judges at a social event, and they both used to be in family court. Mm-hmm. And I appeared in both in front of them both, and I didn't like appearing in front of either one of them. But socially, I loved both of them. They were yeah. great people, <laughs> but I didn't care for being in their courtrooms. Anyways, we got talking, and they were in civil court, and you know they were talking to each other through me, and they were like, you know, when I got there, I thought this is gonna be simple. Let's talk about kids and family. Sure. And then I realized there's a whole body of law, and I thought, oh my god. <laughs> and then one of them said that, you know, like judges tend to do. I knew what I wanted to do in this case. I knew what the conclusion should be, what right. the order would be. I just didn't know how to get there. <laughs> but it was you know, they they acknowledged that it was way more complicated yeah. than what people think, you know, right. and stuff. And so when people uh, tamper with it, with it, I yeah, the, the state bar is a little crazy in that Absolutely. regard. I mean, they shouldn't allow that. Absolutely. I mean, I also feel like you know, family law specifically, we we probably get the the you know the inch deep, mile wide uh, issue more often than others. I think in family law, we touch on issues you know, involving, you know, contract law, criminal law. I mean, you have a background in criminal law. I have a background in civil. How often do we have to draw on those experiences? A lot. Yeah, yeah, all the time um, in order to be the best effective advocate. And look, the practical, you know, re- reality of is nobody's an expert on every single area of law, right? But it's that willingness to learn, Yeah. right? If you're, if you're going to uh, assign yourself to be uh, a lifetime student of the law, uh, of different areas that you not, might not be familiar with, then that's, I think, really the indicator of what makes a good family law attorney. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, nobody agree. ever thinks they know it all. It's a very uh, intellectual uh, area of law, too. Coming from the criminal background, mm-hmm. where it's more um, presentation and skills mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. And I, I loved doing the criminal law stuff. When I was a prosecutor, it was really fun. When I tr- came to the family law, I realized that most of my peers were really very intellectual yeah. you know, and stuff. And they have, you know, they have to be able to perform in court at the same time. So right. it's, it, to me, it's, it's more challenging. And right. it's, it's, a, you know. it's, it's a completely uh, different set of skills that you rely upon, yeah. whether you're sitting in your office and writing a brief or you're in court and you're making your case to a, a judge. Right. Right. At, um, you're pulling on so many different types of areas of experience um, in order to be the best possible representative for your client. So speaking of your peers, Mm -hmm. I understand, I didn't get a chance to see it, but you were uh, on a pretty impressive panel uh, that was with the Los Angeles County Bar Association, and you were playing the part of a disgruntled husband or something. So tell us about that. So um, I'm actually a member of the LA County Bar Association's Barristers uh, section. You're also a member of the state yeah, bar for barristers as well. Correct. So, are you part of the Pasadena Bar Association barristers? Uh, I'm not, you, dude. You gotta be, man. We there's two people in our office that are in charge of that. So, okay. Monty and Steph have a have a locked on that, but I'm you know I'm happy to help out wherever I can. You should be but. at least be a member of that. For <laughs> but go ahead. Um, so with that, I got I got appointed to be the family law section liaison. Um, which is really great because I get to go to the family law section meetings. I get to hear from Judge Amy Pellman and Shelley Kaufman 
um, about the things that are happening in the court. That's cool. An opportunity came along um, with the Soil Trail Planning Committee, and they put on a, a trial institute every single year. And this year, it was uh, virtual. Um, and the Sorrel Trope Trial Institute is basically just kind of one day full session on uh, different sets of trial skills, uh, different types of you know strategies to make you really effective when you're presenting your case to a judge. Um, and I got assigned to uh, play a witness in the evidentiary hearing um, panel with uh, Judge Michael Powell. And we were getting cross-examined by uh, Roxana Velen and uh, you know a couple other attorneys and it was just really really cool because I got to play you know the other side uh, a family law litigant who was um, opposing a move away request. So you're probably searching in your uh, index of former and uh, <laughs> clients and go who do I want to play today? Yeah so okay. the indication inclination is to try to be like a really you know uh, difficult witness because you know that's the that's the bread and butter of, of a good family law attorney how well can they wrangle a a difficult witness, but you know, I just played the role. Um, I just did, you know, gave the information. I did my best to kind of um, portray the the emotional toll of this uh, a move away case. Um, you know, the attorneys did a great job. Judge Powell uh, gave a lot of insight into why he was ruling on certain objections. So there was a lot of hearsay. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. yeah. So you basically would state the ruling, and he'd tell you the reason why. Because you never get to hear the reason why. Mm -hmm. Usually, you just get to hear the. Uh, the, the result, whether it's sustained That's or That's fantastic. Overruled. So yeah. it's a great program. I mean, I think if, if possible, uh, we should get all of our attorneys to take it. It just presents so many practical tools on the things that we do pretty much every you single day. You mean to watch the video of it? Or? Yeah, so yeah. it's recorded. Um, yeah, we it, should do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then if they ever do it in person again, we'll try to get some other attorneys on board uh, to play witnesses as well. It's interesting when you say that, you know, the cr cross-examining a difficult witness. Mm -hmm. um, what I teach in... in uh, when I teach cross-examination, because this is counterintuitive, but you want that witness to be difficult. Yep. Because what that does is it gives fodder, you know, for the court to really see the veracity of the person. If somebody's just being a perfect witness and they're answering all the questions, mm -hmm. even if they're lying, they're answering all the, I shouldn't say this because people out there are gonna go, oh, that's how I could get over on, on right. the court. But you know, I love difficult witnesses. The more pull that they give me, the better it is, you know. You're the one that always says um, what, on direct, the, the, the attention is on the witness, and yeah. on cross-examination, the attention's on you, right? Right, that's yeah. right, yeah. So, Did you, uh, did you find that they were, um, what were they doing when you were becoming difficult? So they, they were trying to uh, lay foundation they were trying to refresh recollection. And these are all just kind of like standard skills that we mm -hmm. deal with every sure. day. Um, they were trying to argue uh, hearsay issues, hearsay objections, stuff that we you know normally would do um, and just find really ways to be persuasive about it. I mean, the theme for this year was how to get the things that you want when you're going into trial. Um, and it's kind of broad, but I mean, really that's what it is, right? You go into trial. It's about figuring out how to get it into evidence. Exactly, yeah. right? Because if it doesn't come in, you know, it's it's not considered. There's yeah. one common um, new attorney mistake is that you, you mark and you show the exhibit, but never make it in, you know, you don't move it in. Um, so that's that's one of the things that they talked about. Always remember to move your evidence into. You know, coming from a DA's background, uh, you, mark them for identification throughout the trial. Mm -hmm. You don't move them into evidence until right before you rest. Right. And I've been doing that for years in family court. And then I realized that nobody's comfortable with that. The judges aren't or anything like that. So what I've done recently is I start marking them and moving them into evidence as we're going. And I'm actually finding that that's more 
effective as well because the other side is kind of like uh, every time it's in the evidence are like you know and it's you're building if you're truly building your case because yeah. you're because they've been received and stuff so it's good practice to do that right absolutely well this was fun fun it was really really <laughs> fun so i can't wait till we have our first dodgers night it's gonna be great Opening season's coming down. It's a shorter season this year, unfortunately, but, I mean, well, at least we get a season. So it's shorter, but what I understand is is that they have more teams playing in the playoffs this year. I think so. They, per per they, the contract. They expanded out the number of teams. That should yeah. be I, – I like that. What I don't like is, is that now both – uh, the American and the national, they have the designated, designated hitter. Uh, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it takes a team. You don't get to like sit out because you're not good at something, you know? Right. But I mean, either way, you, you got to have some consistent rule across the entire league. You can't have two sets of rules. Well, they, they get rid of the designated batter then. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much. All right, we'll see, you, we'll see you next time. Yes. Have okay. a good one.